keeping you connected. For Radio Catskill, this is Rosie Starr. Welcome to Farm and Country, locally produced radio about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. Today's show is a springtime bouquet. Keith Hubbard's Star Talk highlights meteorites that fall to earth. Willowisp organic farmer Greg Schwartz greets us from the Narrowsburg Farmer's Market. Sweetwater fishing guide Evan Padua has a hooked-on fishing report. Jeffrey Rose from Wild Yarrow Farms suggests what's good to go in our garden soil now that we're into June. And Anastasia Zerbevra from Unbroken Acres Farm in Koshekton, New York, says hello from the new generation. All of that coming up on today's Farm and Country. But first, news headlines from NPR. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Nora Rahm. Later today, President Biden is expected to sign the bipartisan bill that suspends the debt ceiling until 2025. During his address to the nation last night, Biden said the U.S. had avoided disaster through political compromise. NPR's Tamara Keith reports. It was Biden's first Oval Office address, meant to send a signal about the seriousness of the crisis that was averted. It was critical to reach an agreement. And it's very good news for the American people. No one got everything they want, but the American people got what they needed. We averted an economic crisis, an economic collapse. In many ways, this was a victory lap for a president who has long prided himself on being able to get big bipartisan deals. He even praised House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and his team for negotiating in good faith. After laying low during the peak of the negotiations, Biden used his address to get the last word. Tamara Keith, NPR News, the White House. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is calling on China to restart direct communication between the world's two most powerful militaries. As he was speaking, the U.S. and Canada each sailed a warship through the Taiwan Strait to highlight freedom of navigation. NPR's Emily Fang reports. China cut direct military channels with the U.S. last summer. Austin is in Singapore for an annual defense summit and invited China's defense minister Li Shangfu for a meeting. But Li refused, so Austin used his Saturday keynote speech to call for greater dialogue. For responsible defense leaders, the right time to talk is any time. The right time to talk is every time. The right time to talk is now. Another complication? The U.S. has kept sanctions on Li, the Chinese defense minister, since 2018, and China is insisting those sanctions be lifted before a meeting happens. Emily Fang, NPR News, Singapore. Indian Railway says all trapped and injured passengers from a crash yesterday have been rescued. Officials say more than 280 people died and about 1,000 people were injured. It's being described as one of the deadliest rail disasters in decades. Sandy Mishra is a local journalist who reached the site immediately after the accident. It was really horrifying and uh, there were distress calls and there's a lot of chaos. But the rescue operations started soon after locals uh, and the passengers who were not injured also helped the local administration, the officers of the provincial government, as well as the railway officers. They swung into action and uh, they started cutting mangled metal and uh, there's a lot of gory scenes, I would 
say, and uh, it was blood splattered bodies, uh, body parts, and uh, it was really, really uh, terrible, terrible sight. Sandy Mishra reporting. This is NPR News. This is Rosie Starr. Welcome back to Farm and Country. Coming up on today's show, sweetwater fishing guide Evan Padua has a hooked on fishing report for early June on the Upper Delaware River. Willow Wisp organic farmer Greg Schwartz greets us from the Narrowsburg Farmers Market, now open Saturdays at the Union through October. Jeffrey Rose from Wild Yarrow Farms suggests what's good to go in our garden soil now that we're into June and past the frost date. Anastasia Zerbiva from Unbroken Acres Farm in Koshakton says hello from the new generation of farmers. But first, here's Keith Hubbard with Star Talk that highlights meteorites that fall to Earth. Thank you for joining us on Radio Catskill for this week's locally produced Farming Country. and country. I'm Keith Hubbard, and this is Star Talk. Scientists estimate that each year, 6,100 meteorites strike Earth, which amounts to about 17 impacts each day. Since 79% of Earth's surface is covered by water, most of the meteorites that fall to Earth land with a splash. Given that just 0.2% of Earth's land is built up, many meteorites fall harmlessly to the ground. The first known instance of a meteorite directly injuring a person wasn't until 1954 when an 8-pound meteorite fell through a house and severely bruised a woman in Alabama. More recently, in 2013, a fireball that exploded over Chelyabinsk, Russia indirectly injured more than 1,600 people, mostly due to broken glass. Last month, a meteorite crashed through the roof of a house in New Jersey. The 2.2-pound rock punched two holes in the ceiling, dented the floorboard, and was still warm when the homeowners found it. The meteorite turned out to be quite old, about 4.6 billion years old. The meteorite falls in a class called stony chondrites. Chondrites are so named because they contain chondrules, tiny grain-like spheres that are not found in terrestrial rocks. Of all meteorites found on Earth, 85% are chondrites. Most of the meteorites that have been found on Earth have been found in Antarctica. The reason for this is that the blackened rocks stand out in sharp relief against the snowy white background. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future Star Talk segments, my email address is startalk at farmandcountry.org. For Farm and Country and Star Talk, this has been Keith Hubbard reminding you to keep looking up. For Radio Catskill and Farm and Country, this is Evan Padua bringing you Hooked on Fishing. On the Upper Delaware River, just north of Calicoon, water temps about 60 degrees at 8 a.m. 
and we got some afternoon clouds and we're hoping to get into some bug hatches this this afternoon and evening there's been some signs of golden stones and brown stone flies uh, little yellow sallies coming off sulfurs have been pretty heavy each evening sulfur mayflies uh, been popping so the fly fishing has been pretty good uh, low clear water the water's been steadily dropping since we had that rain at the end of april early may so the water's pretty stable as far as flow and temperature it hasn't been changing a whole lot on a daily basis i'm hoping to get a little rain this afternoon and uh, see what we can find we also have seen a ton of shad in the river this week with a clear low water it seems like a there are a lot of shad north of Calicoon, but I believe they're all the way through from Port Jervis to Hancock and above right now. Tough to catch, they're kind of spawning, 60, mid 60 degree temperature in the water columns, so that's kind of their spawning temperature. And a lot of spawning activity in the evenings, you'll see shad swimming around in circles and splashing on the surface. So you see a lot of that. Walleye season is open. Walleye, three per day, 18 inches on the upper Delaware. Mostly want to fish at night with these low clear water conditions in deep pools with steady current to catch the walleye. So keep an eye out for the bigger bugs of the mayfly hatch, the green drakes, the golden stoneflies are going to be the next big thing here. Got lots of American toads chirping here on the river today. You can probably hear them in the background. We've got uh, flocks, wildflowers blooming on the banks as well. So spring is early this year. Everything hatches and fish are acting like it's about early June. So everything's kind of week or two early this year. Good luck out there and. For Radio Catskill, Farming Country, and Hooked on Fishing, this has been Evan Padua, Casting Off. For Farming Country and Radio Catskill, it's Rosie Starr in Narrowsburg at the Narrowsburg Farm Market. And in front of me is market manager, Greg Schwartz. It looks like there's a new layout here. Good morning from Narrowsburg, the fine riverside hamlet of Narrowsburg, where we are for the Narrowsburg Farmer's Market, where you can find 12 plus vendors of excellent high-quality products from our region. We do have a new layout. We shifted things a little bit to uh, make it a little more cozy, but we are excited to launch another season here in Narrowsburg. We're located right behind the Narrowsburg Union, 7 Erie Avenue, and we're here until the end of October, every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., rain or shine or wind or whatever else uh, Mother Nature wants to send our way. I am the manager of the Narrowsburg Farmer's Market. I am also the farmer of Will-O-Wisp Organic Farm, so we try to wear both hats uh, at the same time and hopefully not let one of them fall to the ground. But challenges for the farmer's market is that we need more people to support us. Farming is, you know, being an artisanal food producer is lots of hard work. 
the only way that we can make it financially sustainable is if we have the local community come out and support us. So here at a farmer's market, you are not only getting your own goodies to bring home and eat, your dollars are going directly into sustaining a working landscape in our community. And so you're, it's a twofer. You know, your money, like I said, your money is supporting us as producers, but it's also keeping the lands alive and working in this area. And we really need more people to make the effort to get out to the farmer's markets. There's lots of great farmer's markets in Sullivan County. There's one almost every single day of the Friday, Saturday, Sunday week. We hope that you go to whichever one is most convenient, but please make an effort to get out there and get that win-win situation where you're getting high-quality local products and supporting the local producers. The quality is superior, and it's, it's for a few different reasons. It's because local producers are paying attention to that quality. They're selecting the variety of the vegetable or the breed of the animal. They're thinking a lot about the ingredients in their baked goods, in their vodka, etc. Also, fresher products taste better. When products are grown to be shipped, they're choosing varieties that ship well. They're not choosing varieties that taste good. So you're going to, generally speaking, find products that taste so much better because they're grown locally and because there are varieties and breeds that are selected for local customers. It's about the relationship between producer and customer. You want to learn the story of how your food is being produced. You do want to ask those questions about how the week was and what the curveballs were, what the good things were. Another question I would encourage you to ask is, hey, what's good this week? Because I know what the best tasting thing is because I'm eating this stuff all the time. And I might say, man, you know, that one's, yeah, it's okay. But what should I get? You should definitely eat carrots this week. I mean, come on. I just want to say that I hope to see everybody in Narrowsburg at the Farmer's Market end of October, 10 a.m. to p.m., and check out a rotating roster of special guests, including local musicians, narrowsburgfarmersmarket.org, for more information and the full schedule. The biannual plant swap to benefit the Narrowsburg Beautification Group happens on Saturday, June 3rd, from 10 a.m. until 2, 198 Bridge Street, in the Tustin parking lot. Exchange plants, seeds, and bulbs from your garden with neighbors. Nothing to exchange? Make a donation instead. That benefits the Narrowsburg Beautification Group, Saturday, June 3rd. From 10 a.m. until 2, 198 Bridge Street, in the Tustin parking lot. For Radio Catskill and Farm and Country, this is Rosie Starr. We're into June now, and just a lovely time of the year because we're past a frost date. So I thought I'd stop in to say hello to Jeffrey at Wild Yarrow Farm and see what kind of advice can he give us at this time of the year. Hi, Jeffrey. Hi, Rosie. Thanks for coming back to see us again. Last time, we talked about how that last frost date was an important consideration when planting. So now that that's passed and it's safe, you can go ahead and put in your more tender things like tomatoes and peppers and eggplant. Although there's a consideration with the eggplant I'll get to in a minute. One of the things, other than just timing of the frost, it's also uh, the soil temperature and the air temperature. 
For instance, you can't plant corn until the soil is at about 50 degrees. If it's colder than that, the corn seed then has a chance of rotting or is more susceptible to rodents picking it up on the way or other diseases. So there's more than just the frost date, as you, you learn as you continue to garden. Another thing that's on this time schedule in our world here is the insect populations. The eggplant situation, anyone that's tried to grow it has had to struggle with uh, eggplant flea beetles. They pin little pinholes through the leaves. One of the ways you can get past this is by covering the plants in the garden and not uncovering them until after they've flowered. And that gives you a chance to beat the beetles. Something we're experimenting with is waiting to plant the eggplant until the second week of June. So now you're getting past and into the next cycle of insects. And I found that my eggplants have done better. So we're trying it again this year, taking a lot of notes. Hopefully next year we'll have something a little more conclusive about that. When it comes to the insects, I know we've talked about no mo may before. We like to think of it as just mo less period. We've stopped mowing the lawns here quite a while ago, and now they are full of wildflowers. It encourages a diverse insectiary, so you're bringing in more good insects, and you're not stripping the habitat for the bad insects, the insects that come to eat your plants. If you've stripped away all the wildflowers and the wild mustards that they're accustomed to eating, they're going to go right for your garden. So we also keep a wild border all around the fenced-in garden that varies from two to three feet, maybe, and that's full of wildflowers. And it provides a more natural environment once you're inside the garden, too. Mm -hmm. Don't forget to water your garden. And hand-watering, for me, is best. Sprinklers, you're watering everything. If you have the time, even if it's at 7 in the morning, to get out there and hand-water each plant, it'll take less time than you think and it'll give you a chance to check on the health of each plant, and you'll know just how the whole garden is doing. Mm -hmm. I think you've given us some wonderful information. And I have to say, my Dianthus is doing quite well. It's growing nice and tall. Mm -hmm. But today I'm going to look for some tomatoes because I love the cherry tomatoes. 170 it varieties of tomatoes in there almost all of them heirloom and uh, open pollinated plants, mm -hmm. which means if you save the seed, it'll grow the same kind of plant. Mm -hmm. It's really a wonderful place for herbs, perennials of all kind, and... We're not certified organic, but we follow a very strict protocol. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad to hear that you uh, survived that frost that we had late May. Well, we took the time to cover everything that was vulnerable. And if you put a layer or two of a freeze cloth over top of things, you can, unless it's a terrible, terrible hard frost, you can usually get by. Well, thank you again for taking the time to speak with us. It's always a, a nice experience coming here. Now I'm going to go find my tomatoes. Thank you. Thank you, Rosie. Wild Yarrow Farm is on Instagram, has a fabulous website, and is located on New Turnpike Road in Koshekton just about a stone's throw from Unbroken Acres Farm on County Road 114. Back in mid-April, the Western Sullivan Public Library Tustin Coast-Shecton Branch hosted a seed-starting workshop with Anastasia Zabivra from Unbroken Acres Farm. After her informative and well-attended presentation, Anna, a fan of farming country, took the time to speak with me. 
My name is Anastasia Zabirova, or Anna as I go by frequent. Okay, and you're the owner of Unbroken Acres? Yep, that's correct. You've been a farmer for 13 years. What is your background? My background is mostly uh, science-based. I attended SUNY College of Environmental Science and Forestry for aquatics and fishery science. And uh, the first farm that I worked on had a large aquaponics setup, which is where I fell in love with farming. Describe aquaponic farming. So it's basically like hydroponic farming you might hear about today or see on your grocery shelves, but this involves fish as the primary source of nutrients for your plants. Some compost additives have fish in them. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, they make uh, kelp, fish extract, and all sorts of aqueous-derived fertilizers. Mm -hmm. Do you use those on unbroken acres? I do. I'm particularly fond of uh, the fish fertilizer and emulsion for seedlings and kelp powder for growing on in the field. They have a really nice level of nitrogen, um, which is great for young seedlings, and kelp has a lot of potassium, which is great for your flowering plants. Okay, well, let's back up a little bit. Tell us about your farm. Describe the amount of acres and how you came about this property. I had goals and aspirations since I began farming and fell in love with it to eventually begin an operation one day. And the timing was just so, and the stars aligned. So my husband and I found this property. I had traveled around Bethel and Calicoon when I was younger And it's just a lovely area. So we wound up here on the Four Corners by Fosterdale. And yeah, so far I'm growing on about two acres. And the property is a total of 31, 17 acres of which are wooded. Oh, my. So there's a a diversity of geography, soil, and atmosphere. The name is catchy. How did you come by naming it? So I named Unbroken Acres with the intention of us being tied into the natural world and existing closely with it, with one another, and in spirit. So that's why I named the farm as such and trying to use nature and all of its systems to help uh, produce food. Mm -hmm. Do you practice organic farming? I do. Uh, I am not certified, but I go by organic standards. Well, thank you very much for doing that. It's uh, an honorable way of farming. Yeah, it's it's a great way to grow. Do you know the history of the land in terms of who farmed it before? This land was a part of the Meadows Farm, which was directly across the street and had large farm programs for people coming from the city for the summer. Wolfgang, who had lived on the property with Susanna, both worked at the farm. And this piece of land was sort of used as an auxiliary staging and pasture land for the Meadows Farm. Produce was not being grown uh, on the property that I'm at, but it was across the street. And they were using the hay fields to pasture their animals and store up for the winter. And how many years have you been on this site? This is my third year, just going on lucky number three. What long-range plan do you have? And let's talk about some challenges you had at startup. It's certainly labor. 
Then my husband works off farm, so it's just me on the farm day to day, which leaves not a lot of time for other things. So labor is a, a tough one. Water is another tough one. I have a small pond, but with last year's dry spell, it proved to be quite challenging to provide enough water for all the crops that I was growing. And time. Time is always of the essence, I suppose. And then there's climate change and the changes of the season. We are in the northeast here. Winters can be quite harsh, even though this year was a little easy. And being able to turn on the on a dime if it has warmed up or cooled down or when to adjust my seating schedules. So always have to be ready to pivot nowadays. Mm-hmm. I did stop by your farm stand last year, and I love it that you have an honor system Even with a change box, I thought that was impressive. Are you getting support in terms of customers? Do you feel a success and and business is growing? I have such a wonderful base of regulars who come and visit, the locals who comprise the community, and those who uh, spend the summer up here in Sullivan County as well. I tend to be the stop (laughs) when people are doing chores or any sort of Wednesday or Saturday activity. It's a wonderful location, and I love that people are so welcoming to the idea and embrace it and seem to value it. What are you growing there? Tell us about your crop and what makes you choose what you want to grow. Give the people what they want is what I say. Our supermarket options are pretty limited unless they want to head into Honesdale or Monticello, and finding greens and fresh produce can sometimes be a challenge, so I aim to provide the best of what's available in any season. Do you do any fruit crops or flowers? I do flowers. I do a wide array of flowers, and zinnias and sunflowers will be my focus for this season. As for fruit, we did plant a berry crop last year. However, due to drought, that did not work out, but we'll be trying again. Well, I'm sure the pollinators appreciate your choice of flower growing, and I I thank you for that. Yep, and I also leave large swaths of meadow and wildflowers for them to forage on as well. I would like to know what your long-range plans are. Long range, I hope to be a place of learning for other farmers and other people who are interested in gardening on their own or helping out their friends, be a place for gathering and nutrition and be a part of the larger community. I noticed that your property has hoop houses. Yeah, I have one 50-foot hoop house that I do my seedlings in, my onion curing, my squash curing. Uh, It's sort of a multi-purpose hoop house. And then the 100-foot hoop house I use for in-ground growing for tomatoes, cucumbers, and overwintered crops. I would think that a hoop house would keep some of the varmints out, but cutworms, what is that about? So cutworms generally live in the soil, and they come out, and they're actually nocturnal feeders. So they're looking for tender young stems of plants to chew on at surface soil level. So unfortunately, you might lose some of your transplants to them. It's not the same as jumping worms? No, they're not an invasive species. I'm not sure of what their later stage in life looks like, but they're pretty common in all northeast soils. Is there anything you could do to amend the soil to keep those cutworms out? 
Your best bet if you have a, a small manageable garden would be to sprinkle some cayenne, pepper, or cinnamon uh, at the base of your plant, and clove oil works well as well. My goodness, always the easy, natural stuff to solve a problem. I very much appreciate that you took the time to speak with me. The community is graced with another young farmer, and I look forward to stopping by your stand again. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time out to talk. I appreciate it. And you're a fan of Farm and Country, from my understand. Oh, I listen all the time and look forward to the show regularly. Thank you. Thank you for your support. For more information, Unbroken Acres Farm has a Facebook page. Or you can write to Anna at unbrokenacres.org. We hope that you enjoyed our show this week with production by Radio Catskill volunteers Keith Hubbard and Evan Padua. Special thanks goes to our guests, Narrowsburg Market Manager Greg Schwartz from Willow Wisp Organic Farm, Jeffrey Rose from Wild Yarrow Farm, and Anna Zerbierva from Unbroken Acres Farm. This has been your host, Rosie Starr. Thanks for listening local to Farm and Country and supporting Radio Catskill. Public Radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Listen on air at 90.5 FM on your phone or smart speaker or online at wjffradio.org. Support for Farm and Country comes from Damascus Citizens for Sustainability, a community-supported, science nonprofit taking legal actions providing tools for action and raising awareness of fracking damage since 2008, proactively protecting public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org It's June. March, sing, holler in the streets, or celebrate in your own private way. I'm Meg Wallitzer on the next Selected Shorts, short stories about the pride inside. Sunday night at 7 on Radio Catskill. Move Sullivan, Sullivan County's free bus system, helps